بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد so today we we look into the hadith the thirty first hadith the hadith al hadi al hadi والثلاثون PC Naam. So today we take the 31st hadith, the hadith al-hadi wa-thalathun. Naam. And that hadith is, is narrated by Abil Abbas, Abil Abbas, Sahal ibn Sa'd ibn Sa'idi, radiyallahu anhuma. If you have in your copy there, radiyallahu anhu, then that should be radiyallahu anhuma because his father, uh, Sahal, was a sahabi also. Naam. Qal, he said, جاء رجل إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال رمان he came to the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he said oh messenger of Allah دلني على عمل إذا عملته حبني الله وحبني الناس وحبني الناس point me towards an action that if I was to perform it then Allah will love me and also the people will love me and so the messenger of Allah he said Izhad fi dunya Allah. He said Abstain and stay away from the dunya Allah. Allah will love you Wazhad fi ma'inda nas Or fi fi aydin nas as has come also Yuhibbaka nas And likewise Stay away and abstain from That which is With the people In the hands of the people Hadith al-Hasan, that hadith is a hadith with a good chain. Rawahu ibn Majah wa ghayruh bi-asaneed hasanah. And that hadith was recorded by Ibn Majah and others, other than Ibn Majah, with good chains. Naam, so this is the 31st hadith um, narrated by Abil Abbas, Sahal ibn Sa'id ibn Sa'idi. Radiyallahu anhuma, his father, uh, he was also from the companions. And so here we say, radiyallahu anhuma. Al-Sa'idi al-Khazraji al-Ansari yani from, the, from, the, from the Khazraj, that tribe, that well-known tribe A famous tribe that was uh, present in Medina uh, Al-Ansari, meaning from the Ansar And he was from uh, yani the, uh, the Sigar of the Sahaba The Sigar of the Sahaba Naam And it is mentioned that uh, he was 15 years old Only 15 years old uh, at the time uh, of the Prophet Sallallahu passing away. Naam. And he, uh, yani he uh, died around the 90th, 90th year after the Hijrah, making, making him around 100 years old. So he lived a long life. From the Sigar of the Sahaba, Sahaba however, yani from the uh, younger companions, however, he lived uh, a long while and a long time and he, يعني, um, uh, it is mentioned that he was from the last of the Sahaba who died in Medina. Naam, that Sahal, Ibn Sa'd Sa'idi, he was from the last of the companions to die in Medina. However, we also mentioned before, it's also been said about Jabir, radiallahu anhu, that he was the last to die in Medina. But there's some difference of opinion there. Naam, uh, he died leaving behind, uh, it is said, a hundred children. hundred children. He married, he, he, he was one who married many, many women, 15 women, 15 women, not that one 
won't go as we uh, one time. He's not allowed, as we know, uh, to marry more than four, except for the Messenger of Allah, so Messenger of Allah so That was from the Hasais and those things that were specific to the Messenger of Allah. So but as for anybody else, then four. However, he 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 married, and he would divorce women also. Um, but yeah, and he married up to fifteen women, and that's, that is why uh, he left behind many children. And in fact, it is mentioned in his biography that. Uh, on an occasion, he, he attended a walima, and uh, there at the walima, he met uh, nine of his mutallaqat, nine w of those women that he divorced. Yeah, and he uh, in that walima, and so he was one who he married women, and he had he left behind many children. As we mentioned, he died in the 90th year after the hijra. Radiyallahu anhu wa anis sahabi ajma'in. Naam. So here he mentions that a man, he came to the Prophet and he said, and again, this shows that the Sahaba were that they were from the يعني, most uh, zealous and ardent and يعني, uh, foremost of those who used to race towards uh, every good and every khair. And so here we have uh, a man approaching the Messenger of Allah and asking about some khair that he can perform by way of which he will bring about the love of Allah for him and the love of the people. Now, when we mentioned something from this uh, last week, and all of the or many of the narrations that we have, we have mentioned in this book, we see that the Sahaba would constantly ask about that which will, will bring about the love of Allah, that which will bring them closer to Jannah, take them further away from the hellfire. And they would ask for the advice of the Messenger of Allah when they, uh, when they felt like the sermon that the Messenger of Allah was giving was a farewell sermon. Now, and in this hadith also we see that that the rid Allah and the pleasure of Allah is something which is matloob and that's يعني, uh, something well known. That the rida of Allah, the pleasure uh, or attaining the pleasure of Allah is something which is matloob and requested and something that a, a person should strive uh, in acquiring. But however, also in this hadith, we see that's what's all, that what is also matloob and requested, something desired, is rida nas. is to earn the pleasure of the people also. So here we have in this hadith, this man asking, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, dullani ala amali. Point me towards an action, inform me of an action, by way of which, if I was to perform, either amiltu, then ahabbani Allah, Allah will love me, wahabbani nas, and the people will love me, wahabbani nas, and the people will love me. So this shows also, because the Messenger of Allah did not say, he didn't reprimand him for saying, yani, uh, inform me of an action by way of which the people would, would uh, love me. So this shows that the rida of the people, that earning the pleasure of the people and, and having the people uh, like you is something which is matloob and it's not blameworthy unless it, that involves sin and disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, and so the Prophet ﷺ, he advised by saying, Izhad fi dunya. He said, Izhad fi dunya. Abstain, stay away from the dunya, from this world and this, this dunya and its, its pleasures. And so here we have a hadith in the bab of zuhud. In that topic of zuhud and abstention and staying away. Because zuhud 
يعني many have defined zuhud. However, from the um, the best of definitions, is a definition given by Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. Um, <coughs> يعني, uh, where he said that zuhud tarku ma la yanfa' fil akhirah. Zuhud, zuhud, abstention, staying away from the dunya. Then what it means, and it's, def it's defined by Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah as being Staying away and abandoning those things that don't benefit a person in the hereafter. Now, and uh, Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, Hafidhullah Ta'ala, likewise he explained as a zuhud, yani in a brief manner, and he said, and he, and he, and he uh, yani, uh, explained zuhud, and he gave some additional information, yani besides that which we just heard from the definition given by Sheikh Rasam ibn Taymiyyah, some important information because it's, it, yani it's, it could be understood um, yani from <coughs> or by some that a zuhud means to stay away from the dunya completely. So the Sheikh, he says that zuhud huwa tark. Zuhud is to uh, yani abandon, to abandon something. Yani utruk dunya Yani what it means is had fit dunya what it means is abandon the dunya, stay away from the dunya. Walaysa al murad. But the intent is not an tatruk ma tahtaj ilay. But the intent isn't that you abandon and leave that which you need. That's not the intent. And likewise, that you, um, yani that you leave off seeking provision, wal kasb al halal. That you yani, now abandon. Uh, going out there, going out there to, uh, to earn a living and to provide for yourself and for your family and to earn that, uh, that provision that is halal. That is not the intent by zuhud. This is forbidden. It's forbidden. However, However, the intent behind zuhud is to uh, abandon and leave that which you don't need. That which you don't need. That surplus, that surplus which is beyond your needs. However, also, as the scholars they discussed, that even a surplus and fadul that a person may acquire, in and of itself, it's not haram or even disliked. Disliked, yes, if a person doesn't uh, spend that in the way of Allah, in, 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 in the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For we learn from the hadith, or يعني, that hadith uh, that we mentioned in this kitab, that uh, the Ahlul Duthur, Dhahaba Ahlul Duthur, Bil Ujur, that the people of wealth have gone with the reward. They pray as we pray, and they, يعني, they, uh, um, they fast, يسومون, يسومون, and they fast as we fast. But they have يعني, something over us. They get extra reward. How? They give in charity with that fadul and that surplus wealth that they have. So having a surplus wealth, the Messenger of Allah did not reprimand that and forbid that. Having that surplus wealth can be a good thing if a person, he uses that uh, in the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such as 
أهل الدثور هي in this hadith were doing they were uh, giving in charity uh, with this surplus wealth نعم and likewise <coughs> here we find that after the messenger of Allah وسلم, he said stay away abstain from the dunya يحبك الله now here we find firstly we find that there's the ithbat of mahabbah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he that there is an affirmation of the attribute of love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he loves and this is something well known and studied in the books of Aqidah with Ahl Sunnah that Allah loves and Allah يعني, he, he, he loves certain matters and he dislikes certain matters so here we have the affirmation of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the Salaf would say concerning acquiring the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this man he asks about acquiring uh, this love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so here we have the, the, the man recognizing that Allah loves Naam. but the affair of acquiring the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then this يعني, is يعني, uh, when a person he claims to love Allah. That's one thing. He wants to acquire the love of Allah. But Allah loving the person in return, then that's a different matter. So people from all of the religions, they claim to love Allah. And they want to acquire the love of Allah. However, as the Salaf would say, as the Salaf would say, لَيْسَ الشَّأْنْ أَنْ the affair is not about you loving, that you love Allah. However, the However, the affair, all of it is about you being loved. Meaning you being loved by Allah. Not that you love Allah. Christians, they say they love Allah. The people of the Adiyan and other religions, they claim to love Allah. But the affair is not about you loving but it's about you being loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, and also we see here, also what we see here when, the, when this man, he said, Dullani ala amal. Point me towards an action by way of which Allah will love me. And here, it shows that the, the, the fiqh of the Sahaba, the understanding of the Sahaba, how the Sahaba, they, um, يعني, uh, they understood that the mahabba of Allah they understood that the love of Allah and Allah loving a person comes about by way of action. Not like the Sufis. Hmm? Not like يعني, these people who uh, يعني, they talk about uh, Iman. يعني, Iman being in the heart. Even if a person doesn't have any actions, doesn't pray, the Iman is in the heart. Hmm? Iman is in the heart, on the tongue, and that's it. No actions. Here we see the fiqh of the Sahaba, how the Sahaba, they understood that this mahabba of Allah only comes about by way of actions. Now, yuhibbak Allah, and so as we mentioned here, we have an affirmation of the mahabba for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love. Now, wazhad fima fi aydin nas, yuhibbak nas. And likewise, stay away and abstain from that which is in the possession of the people, that which is in their hands, that which they own, that which they possess, that which they, they have with them. Yeah, any meaning, don't concern yourself 
uh, with what the people have. Turn away from that and don't inquire, don't ask, and yani, turn away from that. Don't show any uh, concern yani, uh, as it relates to that which is with them. Yani, we don't mean the concern about a person's uh, well-being, the welfare of an individual, mm, but the possessions, those dunyawi possessions. Now, because the people in the nature, as the scholars they mentioned, the people in their nature, they love that which is with them. They love and they uh, yani, uh, hold dear to them their possessions. And they dislike anyone who threatens yani, that which is with them. Anyone who competes with, yani, competes with them as it relates to that which is with them. Now, this is the nature of the people. And so... Uh, for example, a person he enters uh, a person's home, and he begins to he begins to uh, yeah, and he ask about this, ask about that, mm, in a manner where it's possible that the person may begin to to uh, dislike this individual. Yeah, and is he yeah, and is he a threat now to, to to that which I have? Yeah, and is is he going to compete with me? Possibly even the eye, the evil eye. Mm. He's always talking about you know you have this, you have that. Uh, but he doesn't send barakah, he doesn't say mashallah, and so on. And so the nature of the people is <clears throat> when they feel a threat and they feel yani, someone competing against uh, yani, that which is with them, then they, then they dislike this individual. And so here, this is why the messenger of Allah he said, stay away from that which is with the people. nas, And the people will love you. So if a person shows no concern about those worldly possessions that they have, the people will love you because they don't, they don't feel that threat. They don't feel that threat. And in that action itself, when they see from an individual that he's not concerned about these things that I have, these blessings and these worldly yani, pleasures that, that I enjoy, when, he's, when they see from an individual that he's not concerned with that, that reminds them of the akhirah. Because they see a man for, yani, who, who desires the akhirah. A man who desires the hereafter. And so it's a reminder to them how many of us, uh, yani even ourselves, when we look to an individual, when we see the athar and the effects of a person not being concerned with this dunya, and that you're affected by him. You see him, he's one who lives for the, he's concerned for the hereafter. And he has an effect on you. You begin to love that individual. But the opposite of that is when you see a person who is, yani akbar hammi, that which yani he's, he's most concerned about is the dunya affairs. And yeah, possibly even a threat to uh, yeah, that which is uh, in your hands. Now, and so <clears throat> this hadith encourages an individual to stay away from from busying oneself uh, yeah, with that which is with the people uh, and that which is around him. Uh, yeah, because if a person he, if he occupies himself with uh, with that, then uh, yeah, any, uh, as we mentioned. As the scholars, all of them, they mention when describing this hadith, the nature of the people is that they don't like this. Now, now, except for a need, except for a need, yani if a person, he, he, yani, he's aware of that which is with the people, or someone, uh, yani, uh, close to him, or someone he knows, and he begins to inquire and he begins to ask. And he begins to ask, 
uh, for something that which, that which is with them. To borrow or to, for the person to give from his wealth and so on. And for a need, the person is poor, for example. The person is in need. No doubt it's dislike for a person to ask if he doesn't have a need. However, if there is a clear need, then that, that uh, karaha and that, uh, yeah, need, that, uh, that action there being detested, yeah, and it becomes something which is, uh, which is allowed for him. And it is not disliked anymore from him. Yeah, and he, if, he, if he was to ask due to that need. Now, uh, however, if there is no need, then the nature of the people is that they begin to hate you. That they begin to hate you. And so Sheikh Saleh Fawzan, he mentioned in the expression of this hadith, uh, he mentioned uh, some lines of poetry uh, that is commonly um, uh, yeah, and he, uh, mentioned. Uh, when uh, describing the likes of this affair, yani staying away from the uh, dunyawi matters, relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking Allah, and staying away from that which is with the people and asking the people. And so, uh, it is being mentioned in, in these lines, لا تسألن بني آدم حاجة وسل الذي أبوابه لا تحجب الله يغضب إن تركت سؤاله which means roughly don't ask the son of Adam for, an, for any need that you have but ask the one whose doors are not يعني, concealed and closed and hidden Allah يغضب إن تركت سؤاله Allah becomes angry if you don't ask him. But the son of Adam, when you ask him, he becomes angry. Now, and so here, the, uh, the benefit that we take from this hadith is to stay away from the dunya, to stay away from that which is in the hands of the people, from the dunyawi uh, matters. And we have many a hadith concerning this affair, the hadith wherein the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said to Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, Kun fi dunya, be in this world, huh? as though you are a stranger, or abir sabil, or as a traveler. And likewise, that hadith, which is uh, in, the, uh, in Sahih al-Bukhari, Akid, uh, and maybe in the Sahihain, in Sahih Muslim also, but in the Sahih Bukhari uh, for sure. The hadith wherein Amr uh, ibn Khattab he came and entered upon the Messenger of Allah, and he found that the Prophet was uh, lying down on يعني, his bed, which was made of palm leaves and palm fiber. And he saw يعني, on the, the side of the messenger, the noble side of the messenger of Allah that he had become affected by the, yani the palm leaves. Yani the, 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 uh, uh, not the most comfortable uh, yani type of thing to sleep on and rest on. And so he saw the effects of that on the messenger of Allah and he began to cry and he said, and he said, he said, ma yubqiq ya, ya, ya ibn Umar, or ya, ya ibn al-Khattab. Umar al-Khattab it was. So he, he said, what is it that, that is causing you to cry? Oh, son of Khattab, al-Khattab. 
And he said, I remembered, I remembered the uh, uh, Caesar and uh, Cosros, the kings, and their worldly luxuries that they enjoy. And then I remembered you, how you are the messenger of Allah, and from the best of his creation. And I remember, and I, and I, and I, I, I looked at you, and I remembered the uh, condition of the kings. And this is what's making me cry. And so the messenger of Allah, he said, He said, are you in doubt, O son of Al-Khattab? He said, أَمَا تَرْضَى أَن تَكُونَ لَهُمُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَنَا الْآخِرَةِ He said, are you not pleased with the fact that for them is this dunya and for, for us is the hereafter. And so he, the messenger of Allah Sallallahu is the imam of the zuhad. The imam of the zuhad. And the best example for us concerning Zuhd and staying away from the dunya. Naam. And likewise, that which uh, yani, or is connected to that which we said before, that an individual, that when we talk about Zuhd, it is important to get the balance. The scholars, they define this by saying that this, this doesn't mean that a person, he stays away from that which, he's in, he, which he is in need of. So he doesn't put himself into hardship nor his family, rather it's allowed for a person, for a person to enjoy يعني, that which uh, is halal for him from the dunya, even if that is him wearing fine garments and so on, as we know from that hadith when the man asked the messenger of Allah and he said that he likes to uh, dress, dress well, and the Prophet said he said that it's not, يعني when the, يعني this was in the context of the messenger of Allah talking about kibar and pride. The Prophet he said that, يعني, that يعني the meaning of which uh, is, is that is not kibr. That is not kibr. That is not that pride that is blameworthy. Man, but a person, يعني, he is allowed to dress well hmm? so long as يعني, he doesn't fall into haram and that he remains uh, يعني, shakir, that he is uh, thankful for his blessings. And that also he, he, he acknowledges them and uses those blessings يعني, in the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also that a person he may uh, uh, يعني, uh, profess uh, those blessings uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses him with. It's mentioned also um, from uh, about Ibn Hajar. About Ibn Hajar. And he's that, that great scholar who settled in Egypt and he was also a judge and on one particular occasion when he was يعني, uh, in the streets of, of Egypt and he had with him an entourage and there was a Jew a Jew who uh, يعني, he, he, um, he was one who used to um, يعني, uh, work in a trade um, يعني which uh, resulted in his garments being, uh, يعني being uh, يعني spoiled, يعني not well presented. 
As far as I remember, he was one who used to work with oil. Now, and so when he saw Ibn Hajar and he saw that he was dressed well, well presented, well presented, he said that, uh, your prophet says that a dunya, sijnul mu'min, wa jannatul kafir. That your prophet says that this dunya is a prison for the believer and paradise for the kafir. But what prison is this that you're in? Because look at your garments. Look at you. Look at me. Huh? Look at you. you need a better, you're in Jannah. According to him. This is what he's trying to say. And so Ibn Hajar, he said, he said, that which I'm in, meaning these blessings that I enjoy, that which I'm in, by way of, in comparison to that which is in the hereafter waiting for me as a believer, then it is, it is as though I am in Sijin, prison. Even though you see me enjoying all this, this is in reality, it's like a prison compared to Jannah for the believer. And as for you, as for you, this hardship that you're going through, this difficulty that you're going through, then that for you is Jannah, even though you see it as hardship, is Jannah for you as it relates to the punishment in the hereafter. Now, that was the 31st hadith. We move to the uh, 32nd hadith. Al-Hadith al-Thani wa-Thalathun. Naam. And Abi Sa'id, Sa'id ibn Malik, ibn Sinan, al-Khudri. Radiyallahu anhuma. Again, if you have in your nuskha, in your copy, radiyallahu anhu, then that is a mistake. Um, the correct nuskha and copy is radiyallahu anhuma. As uh, Malik was also a companion. Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And so here... Sa'id, he narrates that the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, he said, La darar wa la dirar. La darar wa la dirar. That there, yani here now, uh, before even going into the explanation of the hadith itself, even though you, you see it's a short hadith, La darar wa la dirar, even the translation of it, given a brief translation, requires somewhat of an explanation. But in brief, darar, and there's a difference of opinion as, uh, as it relates to the meaning of. Yani these two expressions here, la darar wa la dirar. But in brief, la darar means there is no causing of harm. Likewise, la dirar, there is no uh, causing of harm in retaliation. So the first is there is no causing of harm and initi initi initiating the harm. Initiating the harm. And the second part, la dirar, is there is no harm to be caused in retaliation. Now, I will explain that in detail. Now, hadith on Hassan rawahu ibn Majah. And likewise, that hadith was a hadith, is a hadith uh, that is a hadith with a good chain, uh, recorded by Ibn Majah with Dar Qutni, وَغَيْرُهُمَا مُسْنَدًا وَغَيْرُهُمَا مُسْنَدًا And other than them, other than Ibn Majah and Dar Qutni, مُسْنَدًا وَرَوَاهُ Malik. Meaning here, and this is some terminology that the scholars of hadith, they use, that uh, musnadan, when he says that Ibn Majah and Dar Qutni recorded this hadith, musnadan, meaning with a complete chain. The isnad is complete. Going back to the messenger of Allah, musnadan, meaning that the companion is mentioned and he narrates it from uh, the messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Naam. 
But he mentions here وَرَوَاهُ Malik. But Malik narrated it, Imam Malik, in his Muwatta' عن عمرو بن يحيى عن أبيه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأسقط أبا سعيد So he dropped Abu Sa'id, the companion. So that's why he said uh, that Malik narrated it Mursalan. Because Hadith Mursal is when the companion is dropped. When the companion is dropped. And companion isn't mentioned. So the Tabi'i, he narrates it directly from the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, although he never met him. So that is Hadith that is Mursal. So here Imam Malik narrated the Hadith uh, Mursalan from Amr. And that's why he said from Am- uh, Amr ibn Yahya and Abi from his father. عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم from the messenger of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم فأسقطه أبا سعيد and he dropped Abu Sa'id meaning from the chain so that is that is مرسل نعم وله طرق يقوي بعضها بعضا and يعني this hadith has uh, different chains it has come by different uh, chains um, which يعني all of them they strengthen uh, يعني uh, the other chains نعم and so here we have the uh, 32nd hadith narrated by uh, Abu Sa'id Sa'id ibn Malik ibn Sinan al-Khudri radiyallahu anhum Naam, and that is a nisbah al-Khudri is a nisbah ila jaddin lahu to a grandfather a ascription to his uh, to a grandfather that he, he had Khudra ibn, uh, Khudra ibn Awf um, likewise it is said that it is an ascription to a famous Qabila um, and tribe from the Ansar, Khudra. Naam. But again, uh, if you have with, uh, within uh, your copy of this kitab, radiallahu anhu, then it should read radiallahu anhuma. Because Malik, his father, was a companion from the Shuhada of Uhud. From the Shuhada of Uhud. From the martyrs, uh, those who were martyred uh, during the Battle of Uhud. Naam. And it is mentioned that on that day itself, on the, the time of the Battle of Uhud, that uh, Abu Sa'id, he uh, wanted to take part in the battle, but he was turned away due to him being, due to him being young. Um, so he was from the Sigar of the Sahaba. The Sigar of the Sahaba. And it's mentioned also even in the Sirah uh, of Abu Sa'id that uh, with his father being martyred in, in the Battle of Uhud, that when the messenger of Allah came back and when the uh, Sahaba and those who were left behind when they went to meet the messenger of Allah that the Prophet he, he looked at, at Abu Sa'id and he said Sa'd ibn Malik meaning are you Sa'd ibn Malik and uh, he said yes and he said may Allah reward you يعني, for your father huh? Due to him losing his father uh, in Uhud. Naam. So he was from the Sigar, uh, Sigar of the, of the Sahaba, and he went on to uh, fight uh, and take part in, in, in uh, many of the battles thereafter. Uh, the first battle being the Battle of, of Al Khandaq that he took part in, and he took part in, in the rest of the battles. Naam. And likewise, he was from those who we mentioned last week, I believe, those who took the Bay'ah. The Bay'ah and that pledge, Taht al Shajarah that uh, pledge uh, which they took under the tree and we mentioned that was in which year? In the sixth year. When? When? When they were going for Umrah and when they were prevented 
and then they took when they heard that or when the rumor spread that they had uh, the mushrikeen had uh, killed Uthman anhu, and then they took the pledge and that pledge was known as Bayatul Ridwan Bayatul Ridwan Naam Naam and so here we have Abu Sa'id the Sahabi Al Jalil he was from the ulama of the Sahaba and Mukthirihim and, and, and he was from those who narrated many a hadith he's from those that we mentioned uh, those who narrated more than a thousand more than a thousand seven of them Abu Sa'id he's from them 1170 hadith that he narrated 1170 hadith Naam. and he died in the year uh, the 73rd year the 73rd year after Hijrah is mentioned also the 74th Naam. so here he narrates the hadith la darar wa la birar that there is no harm to be caused Hmm? There is no causing or initiating of harm. Wala dirar, nor is there to be any harm that's caused through yani, uh, reciprocation or uh, retaliation. Now, uh, here concerning this very short hadith, uh, there's a difference of opinion concerning what is inte intended here by la dirar, wala dirar. Some said, that there is no difference those who know Arabic yeah um, uh, they're more acquainted with the language they can they can hear that there's a difference between these two words but the root is the same darar and derar um, some of the scholars when they explain this hadith they said that although the form of this word is different the root is the same and the meaning is the same so la darar wa la derar yeah, it means there is no causing of harm, whichever way that is. And the second statement, wala dirar, is just uh, uh, an emphasis of that. So they have the same meaning. But the reason why it was repeated is to emphasize that. So that is what has been said. Um, but also what has been said is that darar is the noun and dirar is, is the verb. Yani darar is referring to a noun and dirar is referring to the action of, 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 of uh, yani causing harm. But likewise, what has been mentioned is that darar um, is a yudkhil an yudkhil ala ghayrihi dararan bima yantabi'u huwa bihi. Darar is when a person, he harms another individual with that which brings about some benefit to himself. So a person, he harms another individual, but through him harming that individual with, with whatever action that is, it brings about some benefit to himself. And dirar is that he harms an individual hmm, that he harms another individual, but there's no benefit in him, yani benefit for him in doing that. So an example. So if a person... And he owns a property. And yani, he shares with his neighbor, there's some land. But now he takes some of that land which belongs to the neighbor. And he builds a wall, taking over some of the land of the neighbor. So that he may yani, use it as a drive and park his car there. And so here, according to this, this is darar. Why? Because he's harming his neighbor and he, there's some benefit in him. 
يعني فهم what's performing that action whereas there are is when he harms him without any benefit coming back to him just يعني plain outright يعني you can say oppression just wants to harm him but there's no benefit that comes back to him throws his litter يعني in the neighbor's garden no benefit that really that comes back to him but he just wants to harm the neighbor so this is what has been said also but that which is the chosen um, yeah, explanation of these two words and that which is commonly used is that darar is بدون <coughs> قصد um, without intent darar is when you harm uh, someone without the intent and darar is with intent and so Sheikh Ibn Uthameen he mentions here um, and he gives some good examples uh, he says, مثال ذلك رجل له جار وعنده شجرة يسقيها كل يوم. A man, he has a neighbor, and يعني uh, he has uh, a tree in his garden, and he waters the tree every day. Hmm? However, the water enters the neighbor's garden, hmm? and يعني it يعني messes up his garden in some way, and affects him in some way. However, he didn't know that. Hmm? He didn't know he was doing that. This is what we uh, call, we call this darar. Hmm? So, causing the harm, initiating the harm, without intent. And then the example of dirar is a man who, between him and his neighbor, there's a bad relationship. فقال لا فعلنا به ما يضره. so he says I'm gonna I'm gonna do something to harm him. and so فركب موترا له صوت كصوت الدركتر. and so he يعني he brings some kind of motor which has a sound كصوت الدركتر. can you work out what director is? tractor. نعم. you got it. نعم. so he he get he brings some kind of tractor and makes some loud noise in order to يعني annoy the neighbor and so here this is with intent وقصته الإضرار بجاري and so here he intends to harm the neighbor هذا فهذا نقول مضار so here we say that this is him harming intentionally harming someone else نعم نعم and so here in this hadith we see this hadith, ayyul ikhwa, is, is um, an asl that is azim and a principle and a rule that is a tremendous rule and principle which the scholars, they frequently mention when they talk about many other principles. Meaning, there are other principles that are extracted from this hadith due to it being a, uh, a, a foundational principle. It's a major principle known as being from the Qawaid al-Qubra. The Qawaid al-Qubra. The major principles. From it, the scholars extrapolate other principles. And we'll give examples. But that which is well known is that the Sharia and Islam as a religion and Islam in its legislation is that Allahu Akbar Allah. 
took in that hadith, that hadith um, from uh, Abi Ya'la, Shaddad ibn Aus. Does anyone remember that hadith that we took? What was that hadith? Inna Allah kataba al-ihsan ala kulli shay. Allah, he uh, ordered with and wrote upon everything al-ihsan. Yani, uh, that we be good towards everything. Naam, and al-ihsan, yani it's been Prescribed upon everything. So that's why the Messenger of Allah he gave some examples of that and he said, So if you kill, then perfect that killing and do that in a good manner. And if you were to slaughter an animal, then slaughter them in the, in the best of ways. Naam. But darar, haqiqatan, is the opposite of ihsan. So ihsan has been prescribed upon everything. And so likewise, darar. Darar in all its forms has been forbidden. So Islam as a religion and its sharia is established upon bringing about masalih, bringing about benefit, bringing about good. And it is established upon preventing and removing mafasid and darar. Islam is built upon that, bringing about good and warding off, preventing and removing all evil and harm. Naam, and that is why Sheikh Saadi he mentioned uh, in his uh, treaties that he uh, uh, compiled uh, yani in, in the form of like poetry um, concerning the principles <coughs> in fiqh. And he said, Ad-Dinu Mabniyun Alal Masalihi Fi Dar'iha Fi Jalbiha Wa Dar'un Lil that the religion is built upon bringing about masalih, uh, benefits. Fi jalbiha, bringing them about, and warding off all evil and all يعني, uh, harmful matters. And so what, what we find is this hadith 
plays يعني, an important role in the rules and principles of fiqh. This is from the Qawaii al-Kubra, from the major principles. And under this principle, branches other principles. So, يعني, this principle itself, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah, he mentions that it is the Asul Azim. It is a great foundation in Abwab Kathira, in many uh, يعني, topics. Especially in dealings. In buying and selling. In mortgaging and lending and so on. In marriage and so on. And as Allah mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah, with <coughs> That if you divorce women and they reach or come close to uh, their waiting period coming to an end, then either take them back upon good grounds or let them go uh, on a reasonable and good basis also, on good terms. And do not يعني, uh, take them back, but in order to harm them. Because in Jahiliya, what they used to do is when a man would divorce a woman, they used to have the Idda period. They used to observe the Idda period, the waiting period. So they would divorce, he would divorce a man who wanted to harm his wife, he would divorce his wife. And when she came close to uh, her waiting period, period coming to an end, he would take her back. Then he would divorce her again. And then, wait for her to come to, to close to that waiting period. And then, take her back and hold on to her. And then divorce again, and so on. Keep doing that. So she couldn't marry another man. However, in Islam, a man, yani that was, um, Islam came and dealt with that. Dealt with that dira there, and that harm. Yani that a man, okay, he divorces his wife, hmm? he takes her back, okay, he can take her back if he wants. However, if he wants to harm her and he divorces her again, uh, and then takes her back again, he's only allowed to do that twice. And the third time after her divorcing her, he can't take her back. Until she marries another man and has intercourse with him. Hmm? So, um, يعني, uh, we find that this had hadith is, uh, is plays يعني, uh, a great uh, role in the chapters of marriage also. And likewise, in inheritance. Those who try to harm their inheritance. And so again, la darar this hadith plays an important role. And so the, the principle, as Shaykh Ibn Taymiyyah, he mentions the principle here, al-qa'idah, mata thabat al-darar, wajaba raf'u. That whenever it is established that there is some kind of harm, then wajab, it becomes wajib, obligatory to remove it. It becomes obligatory to remove it. And likewise, whenever it is established that there is idrar, because we said darar is when a person he causes some harm, initiates that harm, but without intent. So it's wajib to remove it. Hmm? However, idrar is when he he what? When he causes harm also, but in retaliation. In, retali in retaliation. Hmm? Here, that also wajib to remove it. Whatever the harm is, it has to be removed. Hmm? But 
with idrar, when a person, he does it out of retaliation and so on, then here, it's with uqubah. It's with some form of punishment. There's a price to pay, and yani, the, uh, the judge will decide what the punishment is for that. Now, that's the difference between dharar and dirar, also from another, from another angle. But from this principle, we have other principles that come about. Um, from them commonly um, discussed is when we have more than one harm, more than one harm uh, in front of a person. And he's in a situation where he, uh, he's forced to carry out one of two actions. Both of them are harmful. Both of them are harmful. However, the principle tells us, and it's extracted from this uh, hadith and other hadith, that what we do here is because, as we said, Islam is established upon removing or preventing or lessening the harm. And so here what we do, if there are two harms that come together, and a person has no choice but to carry out one of the two, then you're to take up adinahuma or akhafuhuma. Ittikab or akhaf dararain, as it is said. That a person, he goes with the lesser of the harms. He goes with the lesser of the harms. And if it's possible not to do any of them, then he can't do any of them. However, if he has to, if he has to and compelled to perform one of the two, then he should go with the, with the least Harmful. And so, for example, now, a person has the choice or he's forced in a situation where he has to carry out something haram or makru. What does he do? Makru. He goes with the lesser. He goes with the makru, that which is disliked, because the haram is of a more severe nature. Now, um, and yani, the scholars, they, um, they uh, describe this principle in other ways. And so they say also, Ad-darar ashad yuzal bid-darar al-khafaf. That the darar and that harm which is greater, it is removed with that darar which is, and that harm which is lesser. Now, and so commonly, again, examples that they give, uh, a group of people on a safina, on a boat or a ship. And the boat is about to yeah, and it sink. And they're about to drown. They feel that they're going to drown. However, yeah, and they, they say to themselves that we need to yeah, and he lightened the ship or the boat. And so here now they're faced with either they drown or they throw away their luggage. And we know, like, for, yeah, and he, uh, the wasting of wealth is something which is haram, something which is not allowed. But here, either they, they throw their luggage off, off the boat or they drown. What's the lesser of the two, of the two harms? Hmm? Throwing the luggage. And so here, according to the principle, then they throw the luggage. Likewise, a person is about to die st from starvation. Either he dies or he eats from the dead animal or pork. What does he do? Eats the pork. Eats the dead animal. That's, l that's a lesser harm. Likewise, uh, a pregnant woman, she dies. She dies and yeah, uh, she's pregnant. Hmm? They want to cut open her belly to take out the, the baby. Now, no doubt, the one who dies, mm, uh, that person, his or her body, yeah, it has uh, sanctity, not allowed to transgress against the body. Mm, haram. To cut or to yeah, do anything harmful to the body. However, here we have another harm. That is the 
child who is alive. And so here, what we do is we go with the khaf al-dararain. Khaf al-dararain. That we, uh, here now the scholars say it's allowed to open up the, uh, yani the, the, the belly of the woman and take out the baby. Now, and also from another angle, the scholars, they discuss um, yani that darar and that mafsada and that harm um, that is yani, uh, bil ghayr and that darar and that harm which is qasr ala nafs that harm which is restricted to oneself yani you're faced with two harms one of the harms uh, is connected to harming another individual but then the other harm is restricted just to yourself so a person again he's starving He's about to die. He has dead animal before him. Or he has food, which is halal, but it belongs to someone else. But that person who owns that food, he's also in the same situation. He's about to starve and die. No matter if he was to take from that food, even though he may be stealing, even though, even though he's taken from someone else, in that situation, it's halal for him. It's halal for him. However, does he take from the, the dead animal or the pork? Or does he take from the food which is halal? Hmm? But it belongs to someone else. So here we have a harm which, and if he eats from the dead animal or the pork, then that's harm, yes. But it's, it's, it's restricted to himself. But if he was to eat from the food which belongs to someone else and he's in a similar situation, hmm, then he causes harm to someone else. And so here what we do is we go with that darar, which is qasir, or that mafsada, which is qasira, ala nafs. Another example. Commonly they give, scholars they give in the books of fiqh, when, dis when, when, dis when discussing these principles. If a man holds you at gunpoint, he says, uqtulhu, yani he, he holds you at gunpoint, and there's another man next to you, and he says, uqtulhu illa wa illa qatalnaak. He says, Kill him. Man's got your gun point. Gives you a gun. And gets you to point at someone else. And it says, kill him or I'm going to kill you. Kill him or we're going to kill you. What do you do here? Yani, two harms. You're faced with two harms. You have no other choice. Not possible for you to get out of it. Either you kill this other man. Or, or what? You're going to get killed. So what do you do? Huh? Shoot the guy with what? <laughs> Here, so we have a darar and a mafsada, which is muta'allaqa bil ghayr, a harm which is connected to someone else, and a harm which is connected to oneself. And so here, the scholars, they say that a person, he doesn't say, well, I'm going to uh, kill him so in order for me to stay alive. No, because now he's, yeah, and he's caused harm to someone else. And according to this principle here, then the lesser of the two harms is that he restricts that harm to himself. Now, and likewise, uh, from this principle, uh, and from this hadith, the hadith of discussion today, uh, what's extracted, another principle which is extracted is that the warding off and prevention, preventing of harm and evil takes precedence or over bringing about some good. So, as we said, the Sharia has an emphasis. The Sharia has an emphasis 
يعني a stronger emphasis on staying away from the haram more than the ma'murat يعني there's the i'tina of the shari' يعني Allah's concern and يعني there being more stress concerning staying away from the haram and staying away from harming is greater than the stress of يعني doing things that are commanded and bringing about some kind of good we learn that from a hadith that we discussed in this kitab. The hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah where he said that the messenger of Allah said, he says, That which I forbid, I forbid you from, then stay away from it. Stay away from it. And that which I command you with, That which I command you with, then uh, do that or do from that that which uh, you're able to do as much as you're able so look how when it came to the commands ability was mentioned do as much as you're able but the prohibitions the prophet did not say stay away from it as much as you're able rather he said stay away from it so the sharia emphasizes more on the uh, and the haram staying away from them more than bringing about some good and so, again, this is why this principle here, uh, warding of harm takes precedence over bringing about some good. So, example, <coughs> the Prophet he said, he said, بَالِغْ فِي الْإِشْتِنْشَاقِ إِلَّا أَن تَكُونَ إِلَّا أَن تَكُونَ صَائِمًا Naam. He said, يعني, the istinshaq, when a person makes wudu and he takes water up his nose, hmm, then, يعني, Go to excess in that. Yani do it properly. Uh, go to excess in that. Yani exaggerate somewhat. Meaning to do it properly. Make sure you do it properly. Except for if you you are fasting. So no doubt that making we know that the command has come to uh, yani make wudu uh, correctly. Mm? And there's warning uh, a warning for those who don't make the wudu correctly. Mm? And so there's a maslaha and some benefit there. Benefit in, bring, in, in making wudu correctly. However, with that istin shark and a person fasting, it's possible that that can affect his fast. Mm? With that water going into his body. Yeah, and so here now, that benefit of that istin shark يعني, uh, is put uh, to the side and we give precedence to, we give precedence to, the fast and not breaking the fast. Now, and again, also uh, from the examples is the the affair of uh, rebelling and going out against the rulers. Going out against the rulers. Yes, some of the sinful rulers from the Muslims. May say some of some of the sinful rulers. They oppress their people. They're sinful. However, Islam has come clear. We find in many ahadith that removing this ruler in order to bring about tranquility and peace and so on hmm? that there yes it's a maslaha and it's a benefit, benefit in that but the harm that comes about when doing that is much greater and so we 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 we, we give uh, preference and precedence to warding off the harm so we remain patient and that is why the messenger of Allah he said listen 
listen to the Amir and obey him. Even if he beats you in your back and steals your wealth. Now, um, but again, um, this principle here, this principle, uh, the scholars, they discuss this in detail. If the maslaha and the benefit is greater, is, it's far greater than the, the, the harm, then we give precedence to the, to the, to the, to the maslaha. It's possible that can happen. So, for example, a person, he's sick. He's sick. There's no water. He, uh, even if there was water, he can't use it to make wudu. Tiamum, he can't even make tiamum. He's so sick, he can't even make tiamum. Well, there's no dust or anything around. He can't make tiamum. So, he's in a situation of, yani, either he uh, doesn't pray, doesn't pray at all, because he can't make wudu, he can't make tiamum. He has no tahar. Huh? Or, he prays, huh? Without tahara, which, yani, here now, the maslaha of praying, even if it's without tahara, even if it's without tahara, scholars discuss this. Uh, it's possible the person may be in the situation. Because, yes, we know there's tiamum. Alhamdulillah, there's no water, tiamum. But what if you're in a situation that you can't even make tiamum? So, here, the maslaha of praying and that benefit of praying, even if it's without wudu, hmm, is greater than that harm of. Not praying at all. Now, um, and again, um, from another angle, the affair of the rulers, the sinful rulers, the, yani, the obedience to a sinful ruler, remaining under his leadership, obedience to him, mm, in that is a mafsada, and darar and harm. However, the maslaha and the benefit of of that istiqrar yeah, it's, uh, things being settled and there being peace and security that benefit there outweighs the harm of being obedient to him so this is from a different angle uh, this is from a different angle the first example we gave is a when you have two evils so if you look at if you look at the affair of the rulers the sinful rulers from the angle of uh any Rebelling against them, going out against them, then here you look at uh, you look at it as two evils: the evil of remaining with him, and that evil that comes about, and he's, uh, he beats us in our back, steals our wealth. That's uh, that's a harm. But also there's the harm of rebelling against him and the bloodshed that comes from that. Mm-hmm. So here we we go with the lesser of the evil, remain with him, remain under his 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 leadership. But if you're looking at it from the angle of of obedience to him, hmm? obedience to him, then here we see a maslaha and a mafsada. We don't see the two evils. We see the maslaha and mafsada. So the mafsada and the harm in in remaining obedient to him whilst he's sinful, there's harm in that. However, the maslaha is that there is peace and security and things are settled. وفق الله الجميع لما يحبه ورضاه وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين